What's up, world? Welcome back to Authentically Us, the podcast where we talk about what it means to be authentic in everything that you do, in every space that you occupy. I'm one of the hosts. I'm Conroy, and I have somebody with me who's always by your side. Tony Morton, what's up, y'all? <laughs> we got Tony in the in the building. Hey, guys, um, we got a wonderful episode today, but before we jump in, make sure to give us a like, um, share this with some people oh, also y'all need to share this one this one yes and check out our um link tree we have merch guys so purchase our merch and we also have uh, places where you can support support us as well without further ado let's jump into this episode let's get it Guys, we got a, another special guest on the podcast today. We got Sierra Jackson. She is an actress, um, sickle cell disease survivor, and she has currently, um, if I'm not mistaken, been doing voice acting as well. Yeah, I've done a lot of voice acting. <laughs> yeah, so welcome to the podcast. Sierra. I'll have to do a, I'll have to do like an intro for you guys one day as your guest star. Be like. Hello and welcome to Authentically Us, or I'm sorry. Yes, <laughs> yes, let's yes. do it. We are booking you immediately we're, after this, so just yes. so you know. We are authentically ourselves. Seven. I don't know. <laughs> yes, yes. Tony, we can we can cut this clip and then just add that. Right. We'll just, we'll just Absolutely. Add her, her Absolutely. voice. This is this is great already. That's awesome. <laughs> Yeah. Well, let's let's dive straight in. Um, okay. Sierra, tell us a little bit about yourself, where you grew up, and what was your upbringing like. Gosh, I hate that question so much. I literally was just sending my agents emails. I've been looking for new reps, and I literally hate that "tell us about yourself" question because I have the disease of being long-winded. <laughs> so I'm like, ooh, where do I start? Well, I was bored. Um, no, so I was uh, born in Houston, Texas, um, to the parents of Cheryl and Mark, <laughs> um, and I was born with sickle cell disease type SS, which you mentioned, which is really bad, and um, I, gosh, see, I'm just jumping right into it. Basically, um, when I was a little kid, I think I started having my first hospitalizations when I was probably like five. That's like my earliest memory of being in and out of the hospital. So really, um, my childhood and my young adolescent years were really surrounded a lot by sickle cell and hospitalizations. And I really did find my love of entertainment um, through that because I was always looking for a way to escape my reality of, you know, being in the hospital, being sick, having these really bad chronic sickle cell crisis. And, and, and if you have listeners who don't know what sickle cell is, it's basically a, a genetic blood disorder where your red blood cells look like a crescent shape. So maybe like a banana. And the normal person who has normal red blood cells have a circular, their red blood cells are circular. And so the sickle cells get stuck in the veins and that causes something called pain crises. And these crises can happen in your brain, your liver, your feet, your legs, all over your body. It can cause excruciating pain and patients often have to get, um, blood transfusions and they have to be on high doses of narcotics. And then once they're able to bring the pain down with the narcotics, if they have to put you on a pain pump or something like that, uh, then sometimes you have to go through withdrawal because your body is now, it's not you who's like, I want drugs. It's basically like if they put you on a pain pump and the, the pain medicine is going into your body, you know, every so many minutes, you know, when the pain is better and it's time to get you off, you know, sometimes you have to go through withdrawal. So um, my childhood was very torturous and tormented by that. I mean, my mom did her best to make it, you know, as wonderful as possible. She was, you know, always there for me and always just trying to let me, you know, do anything that I wanted to do beauty pageants, which I did. She always advocated for me to try to be able to live as much of a normal life as I could. And, um, 
yeah. So sickle cell was a really big part of that. Uh, and because of the remnants of it, I feel like I live in Virginia now. I just got married. And my husband, when he met me, it was the first thing he did was drag me out of L.A. Boo. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, I'm dealing a lot with the remnants of my childhood. I was listening to one of your um, one of your, uh, just a section of I think it was Haven inspired or something on your page. And she was saying, like, you have to do the work. And I feel like because I've been in the hustle and bustle of L.A. so much that and hustling to pay rent and auditions and everything that I've never really had a moment. And I, I am cured by the way now of sickle cell. I had a bone marrow transplant at 27. So if mm. we can talk about that more later, but I don't feel like I've ever had a moment in my life where I've just been like, and mm. I'm in a town now, I, I, LA has, I don't know, like how many millions of people that live there? Like I don't know, like 12 million or something. I live now in a town where there's like 293,000 people. So the level of stillness that I'm in now, I feel like it's caused a lot of things to come up. And as that girl was saying in that clip, she said, you know, you have to do the work like life is happening. And it comes a point in time where you're going to have to like deal with your stuff and or it will deal with you. You have to do the work. And I loved how she was saying you can't just pray it away because it don't work like that. <laughs> yeah. Man, you you've you've been through a lot. And I can only imagine like pretty much growing up in the in the hospital, you know, and kind of going back and forth. Now was 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 that pretty much your story until the bone marrow transplant at 27 or did you have other moments of like hey i can live a normal high school or college life yeah so i'm that's a really great question thank you for asking that so essentially and and this is this kind of plays into what i've been battling as of lately and the anxieties and the things that i've dealt with lately so probably around the time, like I said, my earliest memory of my first crisis was when I was five. And basically it would be like, okay, I'm good. Maybe like months or something. And then it's like, boom, crisis. I'm back in the hospital. Or it's like, I'm good. A week goes by. And I feel like these little triggers, because sometimes I would tell my mom, be like, mom, I can feel a crisis is going to come. Like I'm not in pain right now, but there were just these little things that I could feel in my body that would alert me that I was going to have a sickle cell pain crisis. And so my whole life was predicated on unpredictability. It was, Hey, you're going to go to school. And then it's like, Oh, boom. Now you're in the hospital again. Now you're going through this pain crisis. You're in intensive care from acute chest syndrome, which is this like lung thing you can get from sickle cell. So yeah, like there were moments of time where I was okay, but pretty much from the time up until I was 27, for about two years, I was on a chemotherapy drug that tremendously um, took down the pain crisis. So I wasn't in the hospital as much, but my whole life was, okay, I'm in school. I'm finally catching up. I'm on my schoolwork. And then now I'm back in the hospital. And now I've got to go back to school, learn the stuff that they already learned, plus the new stuff that they're learning right now. Mm. And um, it was just this vicious cycle of always having to play catch up and yeah. always like healing from the, pa the past crisis and then being okay for a little bit of time and then going back into the hospital. And so even now, some of the challenges that I've dealt with in my adult life are even though they took the sickle cell away and I don't clinically have that disease anymore, you know, your brain is wired in your formative years. And so in my mind, like I always felt like there was, I always felt like God was, I always would pray like, God, please, like, I don't want to die from this disease. Like I was petrified. Like I was terrified that I would not get to live the life that I, that I wanted to live. I always was afraid that there wasn't going to be enough time. And I always felt like there had to be healing for me somewhere. I always felt like God had planted like a tiny seed that there was healing for me. And even though I feel like God's been revealing to me lately, like, Hey, like, even though like you got this healing physiologically, like you don't have sickle cell anymore. It's my brain has sort of been wired 
that like, okay, things are good, but there's this expectation that something tragic and something unpredictable is going mm. to happen. So I yeah. constantly have found myself in this chronic state of fear of like, oh my God, I'm really happy, and I, I, but I'll be having a panic attack, you know, or my husband's had to take me to the hospital because I'm just in this panic stage of feeling like, oh my gosh, like, is something bad going to happen? Like, it, and I'm very aware of my body. So if there's a, a headache, I'm like, oh, is it a brain aneurysm or is it, am I having a heart attack? Like, it feels like a lot of the sickness, like, even though they took it away, my body is still like, in this state of thinking something tragic is going to happen or even feeling like I do feel worthy of happiness, but also at the same time, I'll have these thoughts of like, Oh, my husband's leaving to work. Like, is he going to die? And now I'm going to be alone. Or is my, am I going to get a call that something's going to happen to my mom? So I feel like now I'm trying to retrain my brain. Like, no, like we're not sick anymore. Like that is done. That is over. And I think that, you know, anybody who's ever dealt with a chronic illness, like, yeah, they can take the disease away, but you have to literally do the work every day in affirming that you're healed, you're whole, you're complete, yeah. like that is not existent anymore. And so because that was my life for 27 years, and I would even say further than 27 years, because I, even when I got my transplant, listen, I had knee surgeries, I had my gallbladder out. Like I've had hormone stuff since the transplant. So there's still been other things. So, you know, up until I was probably, I mean, like 29, there was still a lot of health stuff going on. So I'm 34 now. So I'm only four years of really not chronically being in the hospital and trying to figure out a, a healed whole life without worrying about sickness and disease and all of that. So that really shaped a lot of things. And, um, I'm in therapy now and it's been, it's been challenging. <laughs> yeah. So from what, from what you've been sharing, what I'm sitting with is like, you, you are resilient. Like, you know what resilience is, you know, what it's like to, um, fight. Uh, well, not only fight, but have the cards stacked against you, but then rot like rise above that and um go to places you probably never imagined you would go. Uh talk to us more about what therapy has been like and what how you've prioritized your mental health through this. Well, like I said, I think I'm a very highly productive person. Like my husband, he, <laughs> like I work on so many projects. Like right now I'm trying to finish my book. I'm working on like this sister friend website where it's all about healing and stuff. I'm still doing acting auditions and, you know, now I'm newly married. I live in a new town and it's really funny. I'm going to say a bad word. My husband like looked at me like two weeks ago because like I'm always working and like I'm up at like 5 a.m. like working out, drinking the water, doing all things, wifing. And he literally grabbed me because I was in a funk one day. He grabbed me by the shoulders and he goes, Sierra, you're the most productive person I know. He's like, but I'm going to need you to get the fuck out of the house. <laughs> He's like, what did I say? He was like, get the fuck out of the house. He's like, Sierra, you need socialism but i've actually found out like in saying that i've actually found out that highly productive oftentimes deal with anxiety because they're like avoiding dealing with like the feelings and so i'm like oh like i don't need to be working on something at every moment of the day and i've noticed that my life has been always working on all these different things so I, so that i can avoid these feelings of uncomfortableness so I'm, I'm learning through therapy that sometimes you have to sit through the uncomfortable and just be, they'll say like, let boredom sit in. I mean, I don't believe in that word boredom because I feel like there's always something that you could be working on and achieving, whether it's learning a language or something of that nature. But I think, um, yeah, like prioritizing my mental health is crucial. I think that hospitals have to do a better job of helping patients like me go through these types of things. And, um, there was something else I wanted to say. I think that, you know, one of the things that I've 
that I'm, I'm currently working through in therapy is even though like, so I feel that my whole life I've had all of these goals and ambitions, right. To be on TV, to get married, to be a mom, to do all these different things. And I feel like so many of the things that I really wanted have come true and there's still this, but also one of the core beliefs when I was young was like, Oh, like, even though I don't want to die young, I feel like I'll die young. And so in therapy, I was asking her, you know, just today, actually, I was like, I feel as though there's anxiety about my anxiety because I said, I feel like sometimes I'm like, well, if all of my prayers have come true and everything that I've thought about, I've wanted to come true has happened. Like, how do I eradicate that ideology that like, I'm going to die young, even though I don't have sickle cell or whatever. And so she's given me tools to say like, Hey, like there are other things that I think she said, she said, um, I actually wrote it down equal, but opposite. So, you know, in the same way that you have these catastrophic thoughts, like you, what about the opposite end? What if you are going to live until you're 102? Like you have to have this sort of balance. I've totally forgotten what your question was, but, (laughs) um, but yeah, I feel like, um, it's mental health and this is just very important. I'm sorry. I've forgotten what the question was. No, you answered it. Yeah, Yeah, you you did. Oh, I did. Yeah, yeah. We, we were just asking about like how this essentially your journey and how your your journey and mental health and seeing a therapist has, has played a role. So you answered it wonderfully. Um, yeah. And I think another thing that I was talking to somebody recently and it was so funny. I'm going to write it down so I don't forget. But my husband and I were watching Planet Earth the other day because he's a documentary freak. He loves learning time. He's highly productive in that way. And it was so funny because the lion was after something or like the, the prey was after whatever, or the predator was after the prey or whatever. And, uh, I was like, go like get away Buffalo. Like, cause I didn't want the lion to get him, you know? And, uh, my husband was like, they always get the one who's wandered away from the herd or the sick one or the young one. And I just was like, Oh my God, babe. Like that's a sermon because I think that that's how the enemy works. Like the enemy gets you so isolated, making you think that you're alone, that nobody else understands what you're going through. I mean, thank goodness for the internet. Cause right now I do feel a lot of loneliness. I, I, I have my husband, but I feel loneliness in a sense of like, I don't have my girlfriends here or my gym people who I usually hang out with or, you know, just seeing those usual familiar faces that I've been with for the past 17 years. And, you know, thank God for, you know, the internet, like if you go to a YouTube video and you look up a video about anxiety and you see people are writing the exact same feelings that you have, you're like, oh my God, so I'm not alone. But I think that even with mental health and like sharing, there's power in talking about what you're feeling because even for a therapist to say like, hey, there's other people who are dealing with what you're dealing with um, because that's how you get eaten alive. That's how we have suicide and depression. I mean, depression is going to exist even if you talk about it, but that is how the enemy really gets you when you're in isolation. It's kind of like that Buffalo who wandered away from the pack to the the pack herd. You got to stay in community. And, you know, we're looking for churches now here in, in Virginia, but I just think like community is so important and talking about what you're going through because chances are other people are going through what you're going through too. And you don't like isolation is the worst thing that you could ever do. So I think that that's important. You guys didn't know you were going to get a sermon in this, in this interview as well. So um, make sure to go to her uh, Instagram and pay your tithes. Um, I did want to say that what I hear, what I hear a lot, kind of what you're saying is the struggle you had from like your sickle cell, almost like you would have some good moments and then you, you ultimately knew a bad moment was happening. And it was like, because of the sickle cell, it was like, there was always going to be a bad moment almost in your always. mind. Exactly. And always what I'm hearing now is that it's hard for you to accept that there are good things. And yeah. what, what, also what I was also hearing was that the things that you prayed for 
have come to pass. And I think what God is showing you now is that like, hey, the things that you prayed for were great, but I'm going to exceed those things. And it's almost like he's saying like, hey, now trust me in this because you don't have sickle cell anymore. But now we're going to because your life has been like, go, go, go. Oh, I need to catch up on work or now I need to go to this audition. It's been go, go, go. He set you in Virginia to sit with all of this and you can't be go, 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 except for in your house, which you seem to found a way to do it anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah. To like sit with these things. And I don't know. I just want to encourage you that like you do deserve good things and like good things are going to continue to happen and they're going to be some bad, but like almost switching your mind frame from like bad things are going to happen or no, like good things are going to happen. Yeah. Like, I'm going to get this next role. I'm going to find friends. I yeah. can leave the house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that was my encouragement for you. Thank you. Like I, every little thing that any positive thing that anybody can say, like it helps me, like it's a seed that you just planted. And I know that like, I'm working on watering these seeds that I'm internalizing with conversations, whether it's therapy or a sermon or whatever. So Thank you for planting that seed of like, no, like good things are going to happen. Like, and and it's, it, 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 you worded it so beautifully. Like, yes, it, I literally trained my mind that like, okay, things are good, but that now things are going to be like catastrophic. And mm. so I'm trying to like release myself from that and be like, no, Sierra, you're good. Like everything is everything. It's good. Yeah. But also recognizing like that was literally over half of your life. So it's not, it's not bad that like you have you're you're having these thoughts. You are literally are rewiring your brain as a 30 year old, which we all know it's it is difficult. But like that was over half of your life where you that was just that was a fact. Good things it was fact. catastrophic. Good things catastrophic. But now it can be good and better. <laughs> like, you know, so well I'm, and- I'm gonna read that. <laughs> And to like add to that, like your body has known trauma, like what you've gone through is traumatic and your, your body keeps its score. And so like, literally, like doing this is going to be a process. And so I challenge you to be able to slow down enough to realize Hey, in this moment, something great happened and I stayed there. In rejoicing, I have the ability to stay in good places and yeah. not let my mind want. Because yeah. as you start to see that more and more, that's where freedom comes as well. Yes. I love that you said that. Cause like that's like if there's like one, if there's two words that I like really want to resonate with and live in well three words is peace freedom and safety like i'm free like i'm peaceful and i'm and i'm safe so i love that you said that yeah also first of all just thank you so much for sharing all this this has already been amazing (laughs) Um, yes i do want to get into the the acting side so you mentioned something a while ago that you said kind of going throughout the process of the hospital in and out of the hospital kind of sparked um i guess this creative bug in you yeah what sparked that and was it you watching novellas in the hospital like what sparked this (laughs) i've always been obsessed with love um i oh so i wasn't i wasn't too far off (laughs) yes my husband makes fun of me he's like i was listening i've been trying to read more too and i was listening to this audio book and he was like he's like syrup all you do is watch the same stuff over and over. I love you. Do you love me? <laughs> so all my friends are always like, Sierra love." They used to say, Sierra loves love. Like, no. So, um, yeah, I mean, I literally would just be fantasizing in the hospital room, like watching a romantic movie or a fairy tale. Like I still am very much love fairy tales I'll literally my husband will see me watching something on tv and I'll just have like the biggest smile on my face as if I'm living their life 
he's like, you're so animated when you watch TV. Cause I'm like, it's me. But also the opposite too. something tragic's happening. And he's like, turn this S off. <laughs> like, cause I just like fully embrace it. I'm like, what if that happens to us? You know, but um, yes, like I loved television, like, but not in a like lazy type of way, but I loved the the sparking of the imagination of like oh my gosh like what would it be like to have somebody like hold you in their arms and be like I love you and you're I love you more than all the words and all the books so like oh like yeah that's so wonderful <laughs> so I like love love and so I don't know I'm trying to I was always a very creative kid so I I think I just was always you know I loved to just do entertainment like music made me feel so good like listening to music like cds and watching tv like it just made me feel good and uh i was like yeah like this is i want to do that like i want to entertain people and make take people i i think like they are teachers i had a um in an acting class i had a, there was a student who asked the teacher like well should we be like emotionally masturbating but like i and I have to be aware of that because as an actor, you can like be doing all this emotional masturbating and like taking yourself to these like toxic places that are like, cause it can cause you to like live in it as opposed to just like acting, you know? But I just love the idea of being able to be on screen and evoke something in somebody the way they evoked that in me. So like, even if it's freedom for a second, cause you're, you're so entrenched in a television show and I'm this kid in the hospital bed who's like, yeah, like I'm, I'm in like all the movies I watched are, were super toxic. So I'm trying to think of something good, but like I'm in a walk to remember, which is super toxic because that's caused a bunch of toxic thinking also, but just taking somebody to that world. I always wanted to, to do that. So talk to us about your favorite acting opportunity. You guys asked me that. And like, I think like last year I booked a show on the Disney channel for voiceover, which was just amazing. And all year I've been looking forward to, to it coming out and they completely recast my part after oh, I wow. did all the work. I was like telling my husband, like on the countdown, like I'm on Disney channel. The director was like, oh, we love your work. We're going to have you back. We get picked up for season two. And they completely recast me. And I remember waking up being like devastated because I, I kept checking IMDb for the credit. And I was like, I'm on Disney, like, and I'm going to be on Disney because it's like the dream Pixar, you know? Um, but yeah, they recast me. I think those stories are important too, you know? Mm -hmm. And they recast me with a veteran, like a woman who's been in every cartoon you can think of. So my husband was like, well, you got paid from Disney. And he's like, also, he's like, look who they replaced you with. So like, you know, like they didn't get another rookie. Like he's like, you know, so anyway, that was really cool. But I... When you ask me that, to be perfectly honest, I think some of my most rewarding work has not been anything that I've booked yet. I think my most rewarding work has been, um, I took uh, classes at the Meisner School, um, the Taylor School of Acting. Um, it's a Meisner program in LA. And that teacher, Alex Taylor, is so vigorous. Like talk about somebody who doesn't really care about the dollars like I feel like he doesn't really care about the business of acting he cares so deeply about the art of acting and I would say like when I think about what I am able to do as an actress and the places that I can go it's the work that he gave me in his class it's not you know a co-star on this show or that show or a music video or or any of the kind of the shallow things I've gotten so far it was really like those character roles that I got to do in class. And um, those are really the roles that I'm waiting for. Like, and I've had some really good auditions for some of those deep, like meaty roles that I want to do. Um, but I don't think I've booked the, the role that I'm just like, oh, so into yet. I mean, I've done a couple of shorts that I was like, okay, this is cool. But the character stuff, like one time I got to play someone with special needs with autism 
And I'm like, oh my God, like if that would have been recorded, I'm like, I could have been like at the academies because how I was able to morph myself into that with the dialect and the body movements and all of those things, like he taught us how to do character work. We had to do blind work. We had to learn how to do, be able to be blind and be deaf and be drunk and be on drugs and all of these different things. And that class freaking like expanded me as an artist just so much. Like I tell everyone, like I've taken so many acting classes in LA, but Alex Taylor by far, like is literally the best. And, you know, I actually auditioned to be, I was in the running for the Whitney spot for the movie that just came out, which I shouldn't say anything. I won't say anything, but anyway, uh, (laughs) (laughs) in case this is like, it's millions LA, I will talk about that. But um, Alex, I reached out to him during that and he was like, you got this. And even what I was able to do through that process and becoming her and learning that, like, those are the roles I want to do. I want to do the character stuff. I don't want to do this like shallow stuff that we see on TV and this loosey goosey stuff. Like I want to do the deep stuff. And I, and I really feel like some of the work that he made me do in class was my, my greatest joy. That was a tangent. <laughs> I 100% can see that because just hearing, I feel like you have a big heart and hearing your, your heart and even watching you talk about how you love, love, I can see you kind of fully embracing a, a character and like owning it almost like one of those like characters that like they almost mistaken, like they completely forget your name Sierra and they start calling you that character. Like, I can see you doing that. That's what I want. Like, I want that. Like, those are the roles that I, I think I'm an attractive woman. And so sometimes like, you know, agents have the tendency to be like, oh, pretty girl, submit, submit, submit. And you just get all this dumb crap. That's just like, you cheated on me. Like, I don't think that, I don't think that that is me. I think that and I think also because of everything that I've been through, I just, like you said, I have the heart to be like, I want somebody that I got to like go to the depths of like who they are and like Sierra's to the side. And like, I just get to be entrenched in their world and metamorphosize into something else. Like that is the challenge that I'm up for. So I actually even tell actors like, and this is something that I'm going to do. I I haven't done it in a while because my headshots are a little dated and I need new ones. But when you are like maybe an attractive person, thing like take headshots with no makeup on, like make them see like that you're not this, you know, beautiful person, like be that character, like be willing to be raw in the picture. Because when you start to be raw in the picture, like they'll be like, this is interesting. They will call you in for that. All I'm saying is just remember us, like remember our little podcast when you blow up, like when you're, (laughs) when you're playing, when you're playing Whitney, just remember, Hey, I did a podcast authentically us. Just, just remember, and they us. do That's have a Vimma, you know. So, <laughs> come on now. But listen, don't say little podcast. It's a big podcast. You're right. You're right. We've, you know what? I truly believe our podcast is great. We've had some great guests. You are clearly one of them, and I can't wait to like see. Like, we've had a lot of guests who are like on the cusp. Like, they're like yes. one song, one sermon, one. <laughs> acting roll away from like blowing up and i'm like just remember us that's all right <laughs> right and like i can i can't wait to watch you act yeah. because i can just tell you care so much about the art and giving it your all like, i do I'm so excited i feel like too like i'm grateful to my husband because you know When I was in LA hustling and bustling, you know, being married to him, he's not an artist. So he has more of a steady income. And I feel like because, you know, he's not relying on my income in our household. I feel like he's given me the freedom to be more selective of the things that I want to pursue in my art. And he's also given me the freedom of when I do get an audition to take a risk. I mean, I was just telling him 
yesterday, I was like, babe, I had some really cool voiceover auditions even yesterday. And sometimes when you are in this need of the money, there's this desperation or this safe space that you're creating from. But, you know, I'm so privileged to be with someone who, you know, we know what our income is going to be. So that helps me be able to be like, I can take a risk in my art and I can, and make a, do a move that maybe I shouldn't do, but I can take this risk. And, and I can also tell my agents like, Hey, no, like I'm not going to audition for this, you know, because I'm not so stressed out about the money and shout out, shout out to your husband. Yeah. Shout out to him. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Talk to us about what is sister friend. Oh my gosh. Don't ask me that. It's so hard. Like my cousin asked me, she's like, well, how would you, cause she's my, there's this book called the compound effect and everybody should read it. Um, it's amazing. It's an audiobook. Even if you listen to an hour a day, you'll be done in like five days. Cause the audiobook's like five hours, but the compound effect is so amazing because it just teaches you how making one little change every day can lead to like monumental success. Like just one little thing, like it doesn't have to be these big steps. It's a penny a day that will make you wealthy, not, you know, a dollar. It's, it's a penny. It's really small things. And so anyway, in this book, he has this thing called peak, uh, peak performance partners. And so I was talking to my cousin about sister friend and, um, she's like, well, like, how would you describe it? Like in a sentence, if somebody asks you and I was like, Ooh, I don't know. So I was explaining it to her for like 30 minutes, but essentially it's going to, it's going to, in the future, be a brand of clothing. It's going to be a brand for a lot of different things. Like Chrissy Teigen is sort of my marketing guru. Like I think she's done a great job of like turning her stuff into like a brand. Like she's the brand, but also she has the clothing line and the cooking line. So I'm multifaceted in cooking and bringing my film and stuff to life. So Sister Friend is going to be a place where, you know, women can unite to to be uplifted spiritually, to get recipes that are healthy for your body, to get a word of encouragement. It's literally just going to be a place where like, oh, yeah, like I got this from Sister Friend. Like I will start off as the person doing all the things, but eventually like it will branch out. And so I'm working on the content now and the website for that. And we're, I'm developing like more specifically, like narrowing down, like how it's going to start. But in the beginning, the content videos and everything that we're developing are like blog posts about healing, wholeness, wellness, faith, again, like, like I said, health and wellness with food, Um, and it's, you know, inspired by my journey with sickle cell and bone marrow transplant and all the different things that I've been through and the things that have helped me get to where I am now. So I have a logo and the logo is really cool. And yeah, like right now the Instagram sister Fran is, uh, you can see it on IG. It's like, you know, Bibles and recipes and all kinds of stuff. So that's what I'm kind of worried. That's like my my passion project. And I feel like when I am a series regular, they're going to be like, Oh yeah. Like get the sister friend seasoning. Like I think Tabitha Brown is also really good. That's what I was thinking. As I like Tabitha Brown is like kind of also embodies like, cause I, I want people like when people like, obviously like most actors and musicians now they have a brand. It's not just about entertainment. Doesn't really pay your bills anymore. So everybody's kind of have their brand. So my brand, it will be the sister friend brand where we, you know, I want people to like see Sierra and they think like, oh, like this brand represents like faith, healing, wholeness, like all things wellness, but always starting spiritually first because you can drink all the green juice every day, which I was doing. But if your mind is not right, like it's not. So. Clearly you're driven. Clearly you always got ideas of what to get into. Uh, talk to us about what you still want to accomplish. Um, I'm writing something down because I don't want to forget. Um, I What do I still want to accomplish? Well, my book is something that I deeply want to. Um, and I think like once I finish my book, like I think that that's going to be closing a chapter like all the hell that I've been through. Like, I feel like getting this on paper and finishing it, which I have it in front of me, I've been working on it, um, 
once I have that, like I deeply care about finishing that, but if I could be totally honest, it's really scary as you get older sometimes because there's these things that used to make you so like these things that used to get you off. Like the thing, like you would think about being on the stage at the Oscars and that would just like make you tink, like, like tingle in your fingers and your toes because you're like, Oh my God, like the idea of being at the Oscars and like thanking everybody, like, yes, like sign me up or being in a beautiful dress or having a beautiful made up face. Like it's kind of scary as you get older, at least for me, because it's scary not those dreams and aspirations that you had before, like trying to envision those things to motivate you when those things don't get you off anymore. Like you're like, oh, like thinking of the Oscars doesn't really do anything for me anymore. Like that doesn't, that doesn't, that's not doing any, that's not doing it for me. I mean, I told my husband, I said, I, I really feel deeply, I, I just want, if there's one thing I want that I think that motivates me is it's like, I was thinking today, the scripture, like be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Like if I can have a renewed sense of mind and every day wake up feeling like I'm 15 again, unafraid in that childlike position all over again. Cause you know, when we're kids, we're unafraid of everything. We're like, jump off a building and like, let's see what happens. Like, you're not afraid that you're not going to be taken care of. You tell you that this is not possible. You're like, I'm going to be a doctor, but I want forms and I want to have just a, a sense of renewal every day. Like if I can have a, a conversation like with you guys, where we inspire one another and we've given each other something to, to live by, to be fruitful by, to hold on in this thing called life for another day. Like that is what I really want more than anything. Like, yeah, I want the role. Yeah, I want the book, but I just want to be renewed every day. And I, I want to feel that excitement of childhood every day again, like as an adult, like I want to, I don't want to feel stale anymore. Like I want mm. to feel that every day. And I, and I do think that you can get there, but it is like a daily walk. So yeah, like the book. Yeah, like the roles, all of those things, a successful family, like a miracle baby, like, yeah, those those things would be wonderful. But I just think if I'm living in purpose and having conversations um, that are life giving, I, I think that that is what I want to evoke. I want to inspire in people. I, I want to, you know, like Mama Oprah or Wayne Dyer or Louise Hay or, you know, people who have who are just such Eckhart Tolle or Deepak Chopra, any of these people who are just living, you know, breathing God, Sadhguru, like I love listening to them and the words that they say and, and the spirituality that they bring, like that is what I want more than anything. And that is what I crave because I also think that as we attain these goals, as we attain these ambitions, whether it's like, oh, I really want to get married, like you get married, right? Or you get free of sickle cell, right? Like you can keep wanting to ascertain all of these different things, but really nothing will satisfy you except for the spirit of God. Like I, I've asked God for so many things and it's like, okay, yeah. Like I love my husband. Like he's great. And I love like our union together, but as it, as a human being, you're going to always have this hunger and this thirst. And really, I noticed the only thing that really satiates it is like these kinds of conversations or like my spiritual life. Like that is, I want to have a renewed sense of spiritual life every day. That's what I really want. So last question before we transition, mm -hmm. what does it mean to be authentically you? <laughs> I saw that question and I was like, I don't know what that means. <laughs> I, think, I think, um, what does it mean to be authentically you? I think that, for me, what it means to be authentically you is to get back to spirit. Who were you in your mother's womb? Like, to me, that's what it means. It's like having this earthly experience, but getting back to like pure spirit. Like um, Dr. Wayne Dyer has an affirmation and he says, I know that I am pure spirit, that I always have been and that I always will be. I know that deep inside me, there is a place called God, where all things are known and where all things are understood. This is the universal mind of God. 
and all things are perfect. It's a very long affirmation, but I think being authentically you is just getting back to who God created you in your mother's womb. I think it's getting to that highest version of yourself where you're not distracted by social media or you're not appeased by a like or somebody saying, hey, yes, you're qualified to get the job. It's, hey, like God planted the seed in your mom's womb and you are like just worthy because he said like you can exist. I mean, you look at people in other countries and they're not they're they're just living a life like they like they can literally spend their whole day like going outside picking leaves digging a fire pit to cook their food and like eating is like their day i want to get to a place where and they, and they have you know their family and their spiritual practices but i that's what i think authentically you is like getting back to spirit form like we came from heaven and like now we're living this like human experience but as i'm having this human experience, like I want to become and evolve back into spirit form, like learn the lessons and get back to that. That's to me, that's what I think it is. And it's, and it, and you have to be quiet. I mean, I just heard a sermon this week where he was saying, like the pastor was saying, God, what do you want your people to hear? And he said, God told him that that was the message. I want them to hear. Mm. And and then he said, he said, God will be like, hey, start the podcast. Hey, write your book. And like, honestly, I noticed, like, I'm not a person who likes a lot of noise. And I noticed the more I like sit in the quiet and like I'm driving, and I'm not distracted by music or listening to people's videos. Like I can hear God and I, and I, I know what he's telling me to do. And I think that that is how you like live in purpose, like in the quiet, like be quiet so that you can live in purpose. And when you're in purpose, then you are being authentically yourself. Man. Well, thank you again so much for sharing all the wisdom. We got <laughs> a couple sermons in here too. So again, make sure to go on her social media and make sure you pay your tithes. But next thing we're going to do is um, we're going to transition to our next segment, which is called Rapid Fire. Burr, 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 burr. Okay. Now, this is where <laughs> we ask you three questions. Yeah. And you're going to give the first thing that comes to mind. Don't pass go. Don't call your husband. Don't go on a walk. The first thing that comes to mind. Okay. 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 <laughs> um, first question is, what yeah. was the last book you read? I don't even know. Oh, Accidentally Married. What would you tell you? <laughs> what would you tell your eight-year-old self? And would you rather be the funniest person in the room or the smartest person? The funniest. <laughs> you heard it here first. That was rapid fire. You know what? We haven't had a true rapid fire in a while, Tony. <laughs> that was great. That, that was, was great. So we have people who have extended answers. That was great. So thank you. Yeah. Um, where can people find you? Um, what do you got going next? I know you mentioned your book a little bit here and there, but where can people find yeah. you and uh, what's next? Yeah, you can find me on Sierra, spelled with a C, C-I-E-R-R-A, Danielle Jackson, my whole government name. Well, it's Kinston now, but I didn't change my IG name. So it's Sierra Danielle Jackson or Sister Fran. Sister spelled regularly and then Fran is F-R-E. N N N three N's and what do I have going next? Um, I'm auditioning. I like I said, I'm working on the sister friend stuff, and uh, yeah, like you can find me. Oh, out in the garden too. I'm learning a lot in the garden. I wish we had more time so I could talk to y'all some sermons about the garden. Because if you want to know who God is, start a garden. Mm. <laughs> well, we tell everybody who hops on our podcast once you're now part of our metaverse. So we will for sure be having you back on our podcast and yeah. can't wait to have some of your vegetables from your garden. Um, but yeah. this was amazing again. Thank you so much. And until next time, Sierra, be authentic in everything that you do. I will. Peace. So we will now take up an offering plate. I hope you all enjoyed church. Wow. Yeah. 
wow to say the least she was i love this i love this episode because she was vulnerable um and i i think that that's what people need to hear um people need to hear the vulnerability and the emotion behind um people's passions and i'm so blessed to hear her story you know she she's gone through so much and um i just hope that we encourage her to like continue to press on and be okay with good things oh absolutely and like i'm just i'm so excited to see what's in store for her um and how she is going to impact the acting industry because she cares about the craft um and it was it was evident so she's gonna be a force to be reckoned with yeah for sure well you guys know what time it is it is time for the friendship quiz it's not really a quiz anymore this is more of us just learning about each other it's a moment it's a moment it is a moment. friendship moment <laughs> All right, Tony, I have a question for you. What was the moment when you knew that we were going to be friends? Oh, it it was in the prayer squad um after uh Sarah Hurley uh died and um there was just a different uh, vibe between us. You were um, annoyingly persistent that I come eat lunch with you, and you didn't stop until I said yes. And when I came, I wanted to stay. So that's how I knew that you and I would be friends. We broke bread together. Broke bread. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, guys, as you can see, we are learning and growing and having moments together. Um, again, shout out to MSW Media. Take a look at our link tree. We have t-shirts that you guys can purchase. And until next time, y'all, be authentic in everything that you do. Peace. Peace.